Talking Tech, the Nordic View. Welcome. This is the first episode of a quarterly recap by leading Nordic VC firms, Mackie VC, EQT Ventures and Hardcore Capital, looking at what went down in the European tech scene and what it means for investors and entrepreneurs looking ahead. My name's Maya Palmer. I'm a journalist with Sifted and I am joined with hosts Ashley Lundstrom from EQT Ventures, Jimmy Nielsen from Hardcore Capital and Ilka Kivimaki from Mackie VC. Now, This has definitely been an eventful first quarter of the year. And in the very beginning of the year, I think we thought maybe Brexit or the Australian bushfires might be the big story. But now it seems that COVID-19 will certainly dominate everything. And for how long, we don't know. And it's certainly going to have a very big impact on the economy. Um, We're almost certainly heading for a slowdown. So I'm kind of interested to know what the mood is amongst your portfolio companies and other investors that you're speaking to? Is everyone freaking out? What's the uh, what's the kind of mood been like for the past week? I can uh, start. So this is Jimmy here from Hardcore Capital. And uh, thanks, Maya. Uh, I think you're right. Uh, it's now all about COVID-19 and not uh, Australian bushfires. I think that's a fair assumption. We, of course, have been coming out of a number of calls in the last 72 or more hours, last four or five days at least. And I would say it's very clear that our portfolio companies and the startups out there are impacted very differently. Some are very hard hit in the short term and others are the exact opposite. So I think there's kind of a little bit a situational analysis or war room like a situation right now where where the situation is grave, but it's also not really panicking. And Ashley, I, I'm wondering if I can turn to you. I mean, what, what sort of questions are entrepreneurs asking when you're talking to them? The most important questions uh, the founders are asking us are basically the same ones we're asking them. And that is questions around, around cash. Every one of our companies has a different situation, ranging from very well-funded to just you know planning their raise uh, and well-positioned versus very heavily affected. Uh, so the questions they're asking us, and, and they definitely should be asking if they're not, um, are those you know regarding are we going to continue investing, our bridge appetite, and under what circumstances. But also they're asking around our specific reserves strategies for the company, and if there are any concerns with regards to sort of higher up in the food chain, the LP drawdowns. Um, of course, the LPs are are heavily affected in their in their broader portfolio. So. What we as VCs are drawing down to the portfolio um, is a chain that the founders are trying to understand. And we'll go into all the specifics of that in a moment, but um, just want to turn to Ilka at this point. I mean, what kinds of things are you able to to tell founders? I mean, you've been through this cycle. Well, not exactly this cycle. This is quite unprecedented, but you've been through downturns before. So what kinds of things are you able to say to them at the moment? I, I think that it's um, the question that uh, how, how to assess uh, assess where you are at the moment. And I like like Jimmy was saying, the, the situations are very different. But uh, in general, I think that the key, key takes are that uh, take care of your existing customers uh, and then preserve the cash, cash in the bank. Uh, that gives you always the options in the very uncertain uh, market ahead. And you, you need the options now. And... Uh, then if you don't have the, the runway at, at, at least until the end of the year, I think that now it's really really the time to think the actions, how, how you can extend the runway. And actually at the same time, of course, it's there is always the silver lining that uh, is this the opportunity that you have been waiting for that where you can actually differentiate 
uh, yourself from the competition. That uh, it, it also can be an opportunity for you. And and if we look at past crises, if we look back to the dot com bust or or the financial crisis of two thousand and eight, do you think there are any lessons that we can take from those cases and and put into action now? There there was the. There was the dot-com bust, and then there was the uh, uh, September 11th, just after that, when I was an entrepreneur at that time. And, and fundraising fundraising just uh, uh, in the downhill of dot-com bust, and uh, uh, that was really, really burdensome. And uh, I think that the persistence is the word for the fundraise at these times, that uh, you really need to be preparing yourself to be doing a huge amount of work. During the September 11 time, I was the CEO of a company that was just uh, uh, completed 12 million euro of funding rounds. And after that, it was impossible to fundraise. So uh, I think that one of the key takes is that uh, don't be picky if you need the cash. I think that that's very important. Then at the 2008, I was the SVP for SAP uh, while we had been selling the company company to SAP. And uh, I think that there was a kind of a crazy contrast because at 2008, I was asking uh, people at SAP that, uh, okay, now we are in a crisis mode that what happened during the dot-com bust? And uh, people were telling me that, uh, okay, yeah, it was really tough. We didn't fly business that much anymore during those those times. And uh, uh, then thinking what I was doing at the same time, uh, it was really, really difficult times to navigate when uh, uh, your existing customers were not able to pay anymore and uh, getting the new customers was super difficult. So for me, I think that one of the key takes is also uh, that uh, assess the situation and if there is uh, something that you need or drastic measures that you need to take, take them fast so that you preserve your cash and uh, be prepared for the opportunities that are ahead. Okay, so I'm hearing you. It's it's kind of cash, 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 cash. So let, let, let's talk about this. Jimmy, I'm interested in sort of what, what are you saying to, uh, again, founders of the companies in your portfolios if they're not in that happy position where they've just raised and are very cash rich? What, 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 can, they, what can you advise them to do? Yeah, so uh, cash is definitely king. Uh, and that's first part of a crisis is really getting control of the, the cash situation. Uh, I think this is both whether you have just raised or whether you unfortunately have to raise very soon. Uh, so the first one we advise is that they need to completely abandon their existing business plan and they really need to focus on uh, operating on a sort of a constrained cash burn rate. So target a certain cash burn rate that stretches the cash into hopefully avoiding any type of fundraising in 2020. That might be possible for some. It will not be uh, possible for everyone, unfortunately, and they will have to go back to their existing investors and have a conversation, I think. So what comes after this, this is going to be the coming weeks. We need to get control of that very fast. After that starts what what we would call the real scenario planning, which means that there's also a time after this and our portfolio companies across the board and startups will be very different early affected. So it will be different trigger points, different impacts on the more mid to long term. And I think we already need to now start to spend time on on these things because some will have a lot of opportunity. Others will be in a more long term grave situation because they will be impacted by the following recession that we will see. So that's advice. Uh, And then the last advice we give is communicate very clearly to your customers and your employees and 
don't get promises you know will be hard to deliver on but be uh, you know upfront with the problems the company may be in and so on uh, and offer solutions when you have them and is in terms of preserving cash how many levers do you think companies have on that i mean, I mean are we talking mainly about cutting staff which we'll get onto in a minute but are there other things that they can do yeah no i think that the, the first thing you do which is what venture-backed companies can do venture-backed companies per definition is investing in growth so basically what's happening right now is that since we are not in a growth situation, we will stop pretty much, not all, but in many cases, we'll stop of significantly reduce variable cost, including marketing spend. So that's the level one defense that we will take, and we will accept that this is not going to be a growth year. That, of course, reduces cash burn in some cases up to 50%, in other cases only much smaller, depending on the stage and the type of company. Then, of course, later and after that, uh, depending on the gravity of the situation on this particular company, you have to either flex something on the, on the employee side, right, or you will have to go to even harder measures and let people go as level two kind of impact. Let's get on to the the hiring and and firing question. Ashley, I think this is something that I know you are keen to make a point about. Is it is it better to go quickly, better to go slow? How should you, if you are in that position where you might have to reduce staff, how do you do it? Um, this is one where we have seen uh, a very consistent pattern. Founders who do this slowly uh, and in in, in good intentions, trying to sort of save save as many team members as they can, uh, almost always regret uh, the, the speed that they say they should have acted faster and cut faster. Um, and then on the other hand, founders are always very surprised at how well their teams actually react to swift actions. Um, of course, there's always tons of speculation amongst the teams. Uh, so our strong recommendation here is to act very quickly, um, more or less take the medicine uh, and stand by the decision. And then on the other hand, if you have a chance to pick up resources, if you're if you're not in the, the negative position, but rather in the stronger one, think about your peers in the communities who are in the sort of slash position. And, and maybe you could pick up team members uh, from them and provide some continu- continuity and uh, grow yourself. There's one third point I'd like to make regarding this, this question. And we're all facing you know, very high levels of uncertainty in our professional and private lives. Management teams should be very, uh, very conscious of the, the health of their existing teams, uh, especially the ones that aren't getting uh, getting cut. So it's a good time for, for measuring basic sort of sentiment amongst your, your teams um, at a very basic level if you're not already, uh, as it is, of course, quite a drastic thing to, to lose maybe half your colleagues uh, in addition from maybe working from home, etc. And, and what do you think about the companies that maybe are in a position to hire? I mean, will anybody be, should anybody be thinking of hiring? Because when other companies are cutting, there are some good developers who may be becoming available. How much should you be thinking about that at this point? It, it seems quite heartless, you know, you're making uh, use of somebody else's misfortune. But on the other hand, good developers are always in short supply. So Sure. Yeah. On, on the one hand, you're providing some continuity in the workforce. Um, but recessions and, and crises are often times where we see, you know, some companies breaking out where others um, unfortunately can't. And if you are one of the lucky ones, you have a multitude of opportunities at, at your hand. Um, you know, everything from paid acquisition uh, costs falling quite sharply, um, competitive landscapes changing quite dramatically, depending on the different situations of the companies. Uh, changes in consumer behavior, of course. Um, and then, of course, 
course, your, your internal teams. Um, it's a good chance to maybe retask some of your team members to test new ideas. Uh, we do need to be thinking out of the box these days. Hollywood studios are, are streaming new releases, which, which was literally a cardinal sin uh, in their industry just a few weeks ago. Uh, so we will be seeing changes. And, and if you are in the position where you don't necessarily need to cut your staff, but maybe you do need to be creative, uh, it is a great time to accelerate and, and bring in a couple um, new people uh, and put them on potentially new, very uh, in- interesting ideas. But let's talk about that mental health aspect of this at the moment. I mean, team- motivation, um, keeping morale up and stuff. And, and and this is one where I think I look to you, Ilka, because I know, again, as a, as a real veteran, um, a- again, any thoughts on how do you keep people's spirits up at a time when they're seeing their colleagues laid off and it's very uncertain what will happen to the company possibly? Yeah, I, I think that in, uh, there is a very different cultures in a company. So I, I think that everybody needs to be working out the, the best ways uh, for the for the motivation and uh, uh, for for measuring how, how how people are feeling. But uh, any anyway, every employee is na- is naturally very worried about their own own future in these kind of times. And uh, I think that the one of the key things for everyone is that it's really important to be present. Uh, Corona is, of course, adding the special fit, twist on that one while, while the presence is now digital. Uh, but uh, uh, really, as a management team and a CEO and uh, even the board, uh, communicate a lot and uh, have the virtual coffee breaks and uh, uh, all-hands meetings, whatever it is, but uh, so that people feel that, uh, that uh, uh, everybody is there together. And also then when there is uncertain times that try to, try to take people on board also to assess the opportunities, how to go forward. Because even though the times, times might be very tough, but there is always also some positive things. And I think that it's also very important to try to, try to find those ones. And uh, uh, as Ashley was talking already, that if you need to take the drastic measures and uh, uh, cut cut some personnel in in your company, then it's really important to to do it once and uh, uh, do it deep enough, so that then you can kind of have the have the team together and communicate to the people that okay, this is the team that will go on, and now we we do it together. It's it's really yeah. tough, but that's the way to do it. Yeah, it it feels to me like it's the difference between sort of death by a thousand cuts and um you know a, a clean piece of surgery um a, again that the healing is easier maybe afterwards what about the position of the vcs i think this is kind of something that um jimmy you were saying that it's it's quite important also for the founders and and the startups to understand the position that their own vc backers are in so Maybe if we can talk about that for the moment. Um, just interested in how do you see that the rest of the year going? Will there be, you know, will all funding rounds now stop? What can we expect? Yeah, I think um, like for for the founders, also for the VCs and for the VC backers, we all live in a time of uncertainty. And I think it's a pretty safe bet that overall, if we look at it from an aggregate perspective, since cash is king, you preserve cash we will also see venture capital investment activity slow down. That, I think, is a pretty safe assumption. I think, again, depending on when the particular VC have raised a new fund. I mean, if you're a, new, if you're a brand new fund and, and, and you will take a paced approach, like, like we have just raised a new fund, we will take a paced approach. We'll continue to invest. We'll probably focus on what we call conviction-based seed investment or early stage investments. I think we'll probably be less aggressive on sort of 
late A or larger rounds or big valuation type of rounds, depending on the category, even though there might be also there some good opportunities. But I think there will be other VCs that will have to raise soon, that will have to pace out the aggressiveness of how fast they, they deploy capital because they won't be able to raise a new fund sort of in the near term. There will be corporate venture investors out in the marketplace that are emanating out of banks or automotives. They have other issues to think about these days, so they might also not be aggressively continuing investment activity. And that goes through the entire value chain from early to late stage to growth, I think, right? So I think if you have a high burn rate type of company and so on, I think the things we just discussed before is going to be the first measures in a period where investment activity will slow down, uh, no doubt. And and how much, so you will still make some new investments if it's, uh, if it's something really pro- promising, but on the smaller end? We are actually, we have just closed, uh, actually the middle of this, we have just closed one investment and we will be closing two more new investments probably this week. And we really don't believe that we can time the market. We know the situation we're in right now. We take the 10-year approach. We don't take the 10-month approach with these things. And since many of these companies are very early stage, we can also really, you know, be careful how those companies are spending cash. But of course, we also tend to pick things we think can be emanating and upcoming winners of a very unfortunate situation we are all in. But will you have to set aside some part of your funds, you know, to help your existing portfolio companies, you know, with bridging and and, and that sort of thing? And, and will that necessarily maybe take away from some of the things that you might have done? We will definitely have to do that. We, uh, we have a portfolio as any VC, we have a, a variety in the portfolio. We have companies that pre the crisis were not really performing to expectations. And then we have a number of companies that perform very well to expectations. And frankly, there will be casualties in our portfolios. We will not be able to support everyone. And I think we'll start to see that over the, the coming quarters, that also we will have to be uh, very mindful about which companies we are supporting because also our better companies will probably require more cash from us than we had originally planned for. So we we cannot help all. Yeah, so there's some tough, tough choices ahead. Like with the founders, also with the VCs, because we fully realize what I'm the consequences of what I'm saying. What we are saying, what I'm saying is that when we take these decisions, it's pretty much the same as if a founder have to cut deep in his in his team. Another consideration here, just to continue on the reserves piece, is, uh, is a recommendation to founders to try to understand where the fund is in terms of their reserves. Uh, if a fund has a lot of their reserves left, um, it will be a different conversation versus the funds who have uh, more strict reserves. Because as Jimmy said, all teams are looking at their uh, portfolios and trying to figure out who actually has the the strongest chance for survival here uh, versus the, the the ones that don't. So so very unfortunately, there is a, a uh, an exercise that the VCs are doing, uh, and that will very heavily be affected by the the amount of reserves uh, in the company. And then the second piece to add to that would be the LP exposure uh, and and how LPs are interested in you know getting drawdowns from from their VC investors just right now, uh, and 
drawdowns from VC managers might not be the, the most popular uh, topic as they're obviously very uh, exposed to the public markets uh, in their portfolios. Uh, so that is a, yet another consideration for when founders are having that, that discussion with their VCs around how the VCs cash positions are. Uh, so like Jimmy said, hold the whole value chain. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. And, and I think I'm glad you mentioned the LPs because I was wondering how are they responding at the moment? Are you also inundated with calls from them? Uh, how worried are they? They're very relaxed, I would say. They've, they've, they've seen this before. Um, although when I say relaxed, uh, you know, they are um, heavily exposed to the public markets in their, in their entire portfolios. And so now their VC exposure has increased on a relative basis. Uh, so the questions that we're getting from our LPs are, are very much around the uh, drawdown planning. Uh, so when are we going to do capital calls, uh, et cetera, uh, which is then why we turn around to our portfolio to understand very clearly um, who needs what amount of cash and, and who can we give it to and not. So these are some of the questions that founders need to be asking their VC investors at the moment um, to really get an understanding of where the, what the position of that VC is. Yeah, I would I would suggest so. It's it's all a very very connected uh, chain. So the more understanding there is, um, the more flexibility everyone will have to to react. Uh, frankly, also just just adding to Ashley's comment there, I think right now, of course, as Ashley mentioned, our most of our investors are, have taken a big hit on other asset classes. And what venture capital can do, unlike many other asset classes, is that we can respond very fast on the cash consumption side. And frankly, our investors expect exactly that from us right now. This leads quite nicely to the uh, my next question, which is about winners and losers out of this. Um, I'd kind of like to make this a, a sort of a quick fire round, really, um, from all of you, which is we... We've obviously heard a lot about the obvious losers uh, of COVID-19, travel companies seeing uh, big hits, but then on the other hand, any kind of video conferencing or ed tech company likely to see a boom. But are there some winners and losers that are perhaps less obvious that we haven't thought about? I mean, what, what are you uh, sort of maybe excited about this being an opportunity for? Maybe excited is the wrong word, but at least more hopeful and less hopeful about. Why don't we start with Jimmy? Obviously, there's some things that are the obvious things. It seems like the obvious thing that travel will be hit. I think that is uh, with beyond any doubt at this point. I think that there will be pent up demand. And I think travel is likely actually going to be one of the ones that will regain momentum uh, because I think people are getting fed up with being stuck at home for months. So I think it will be a sector that will rebound fairly quickly. But so I don't think it's a structural damage to that industry. I think food delivery and online grocery shopping, I think is a structural shift. It has been only 4% online penetration. I think that will be significantly higher when we come out of this crisis. Maybe that's also an obvious one. But then I think what will happen also probably at least the coming months is you will see a boom of, of what you could call virtual experiences, right? I mean, it's obvious that people will watch more esports when they can't watch sports. I saw the other day you had uh, Assassin's Creed, Assassin's Creed, which is this game. They they offer now guided virtual tours to ancient Egypt. So so there's your there's your online travel. I think mental health is going to be huge. 
everyone is uh, want to uh, have a discussion with their you know mentor psychologist whatever and i think that's going to be there for quite a while but we're also going to see other types of uh, things we hadn't thought about like could be something where e-commerce and live streaming merges i think some people call, call that shop streaming because you can't go out and really watch things but you want to see what it is you buy anyway so i think some of these trends are still very nascent and early but i think they will definitely be uh, increasing and then the obvious one of course communication and all of that ilka what do you think what will be the the non-obvious winners and losers um <clears throat> if i'm concentrating on the winners but like the more most obvious what we talked already virtual reality gaming of course is booming at the moment i think that the med tech in general kind of obvious that it gets more more attention and there is a uh, new business models and uh new type of technologies a lot there what we see uh, i would also raise the thing that i i'm optimist and i think that when people people are coming out of the homes i think that we are even more aware of what's around us and uh, the sustainability and uh, and making a positive impact to the to our planet is also more strong so all of the sustainable materials processes uh, new food tech i think that that's that that will be there and uh there, there there was a lot of talk about the impact funds in general i think that uh, we we don't need the separate impact funds while going forward when when we are looking our portfolio have over half of the companies are already under the sustainability flag and to me it seems like there will be even more in the future so yeah i guess this will show us exactly how much it's possible to change our habits um which will make that kind of the sustainability changes um perhaps a little bit easier to uh you know to take action on so that may be a a a long-term positive Ashley, what about what are your thoughts yeah i think we're going to see a lot of change uh, unprecedented amount of change um, some of the winners that I would predict are maybe some of the usual suspects, uh, connected medicine here, uh, of course, telemedicine already singing upswings. Uh, we see that in our portfolio. Entertainment, of course, um, but entertainment, I think, will be broadening. Uh, so we'll see new user groups um, in terms of gaming, in terms of social networking, um, potentially even more uh, niche social networks emerging. Then I also would predict on the uh, actually public sector side, uh, we'll see some innovation. So potentially companies finding ways to collaborate with the public sector in in ways that were potentially not not um, possible uh, previously, and then lastly, I would actually say on the on the financial planning front, uh, you know, uh, households, millions of households uh, all over the world are going to be affected by this heavily. Uh, so we're going to see a whole lot um, of uh, financial planning that's going to be needed, uh, and that might even spill over to sort of workforce planning and and changes in in workforces, remote workforces. Uh, so we might see people trying to look for alternative forms of employment and, and might be companies picking up uh, sort of crowdsourced employment uh, from from even financial planning angles. Uh, so so lots of new stuff, I think, that we, we, we didn't have on our radar uh, just, uh, just a few months ago. And, and staying on this point, I guess, of the winners, what would you say, Ashley, what do they need to, to be doing if you were in a sector that seems likely to see a a big boom let's say you are a, a, a vr virtual tourism 
type provider or uh, you know a med tech company, what should you be doing now? Is now a good time for you to press ahead with things like even uh, with with marketing spend? That's going to be a lot cheaper soon. Exactly. I think there there's two things one should be doing. Is is one definitely there's there's a, a lot of ability, um, especially on the marketing front, to to grow uh, visibility. The second one would be trying to think of structural ways for for as many people as possible to access your product. So that might be uh, opening up freemium where you haven't had it before uh, or or similar uh, so that as many people as possible can can be exposed to what you're doing so so you can grow. Um, But the the marketing piece is definitely an interesting one in in our own portfolios. We're seeing CPMs just just plummet uh, double digit um, uh, drops there. So so if you have an opportunity there, it's it's good timing. And what about Ilka? We talk about the really early stage companies because, uh, I mean, Jimmy was saying that that's probably where they're going to put some of the most of the investment that will come will be at the early stage. So if you are an early stage company now, and let's say you haven't even raised any money yet, what's the best way to, you know, to make use of a, of a kind of extraordinary time of turmoil? Is it a good time to set up that crazy idea company or the very worst time? Well, I think that this is def- definitely an opportunity. Um, I wouldn't think that the fundraising next three months is a sensible idea, but uh, for the very early stage companies uh, uh, assessing the situation and uh, really looking for the opportunities, now it's a perfect time. And, and looking backwards, tough times have been making best founders to squeeze everything out from themselves. So often we get really good ideas and uh, big companies are formed. Uh, also, one other thing is that uh, most probably in the new areas, there will be less competition. So so if you can find a good traction, you, you get a great head start. So definitely, this is, this is an opportunity. I mean, I think when we look historically, some of the biggest companies in the world have been born out of crisis. You know, when you look back, I mean, isn't it sort of Microsoft was created during the 19... 19- 70s oil crisis and but i guess um from a investor point of view if somebody's thinking of a, a a great idea now and maybe starting that company but they're doing it in their bedroom uh and not maybe coming to vcs maybe that's not relevant for for, for you and as, as an investor or will you be kind of looking out still for those kind of really crazy well we are we are the shop is still open we are we are also looking new cases at the moment uh, that timeline while there is so, so much uh, uh, work in the portfolio so we there might be a little bit delays in the decisions but uh, I think that it's 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 a good time as said if you have novel ideas that of course all of the kind of a wannabe ideas or or kind of a business models that are eating crazy amounts of money I think that that's that's something that is not not going to be funded these days and um, Jimmy I want to come back to you and just in terms of seeing how this will play out, what kind of indicators are you looking at now when you're trying to map out how you think the rest of the year will go, you know, beyond the immediate crisis that we find ourselves in now? The the, the big question uh, we are debating both internally and with, with, with founders right now is really what's going to be the longer term impact on the particular company given the recession and what's going to be the length of this recession is the the 100 billion or more question i think at this point in time and i think the the reality is none of us really know we all hope for a v-shaped type of recovery so a very deep cut and i saw numbers from deutsche bank yesterday that expected that the gdp growth over the coming quarters will collapse with 15 percent which is 
very large, and in Germany, 25%, but also a quick recovery. But it's that quick recovery. So now we have spent a lot of time on looking at cash flow. We have today talked a lot about cash flows and so on. The big discussions over the coming weeks and months is going to be what's going to be the long-term supply and demand impact for the particular portfolio company and who has real opportunity and who is really in longer term uh, thing, right? Which types of businesses are cyclical, which are non-cyclical, which companies are going to be benefiting from increased credit spreads in the global market, uh, etc. right? So we'll be looking for that. And we'll also be looking a little bit like macro numbers, like virus infection numbers, fiscal stimulus, especially in the US, we are concerned about because if US goes into a deep recession, so does the global economy for a while. We'll look for, you know, uh, volatility index to figure out when, when are people starting to be less concerned? When are we starting to go back to a world of risk instead of a world of uncertainty? But really long-term recession indicators is really the key thing to figure out how we are going to act in the little bit longer run. And are you going to be kind of changing your advice to your portfolio companies as some of this becomes more clear? I mean, how how much kind of day-to-day, week-to-week do you think you need to have those conversations? We will. I mean, a week or two ago, and maybe even a bit sooner, we, we the first questions we asked ourselves, what is going to be the supply impact from China, right? That ain't the question people are asking anymore, right? The question we're asking is, what's going to be the long-term demand impact on your business? And we just we just don't know because there's both how long question, and then there's going to be changes in consumer behavior. There's going to be structural shifts that are going to impact pretty much all value chains out there in the marketplace. So we just have to we have to run with a, with open heart surgery here and, and and learn on the way. Sort of to finish as the last question, if we can do a little bit of crystal ball gazing, uh, understanding that this is very imperfect, but I'd love to hear from 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 each of you really. What's your prediction for for how the rest of the year will go? We've touched on it a little bit at times, but your kind of top line thoughts. Maybe I don't know. Starting with you, Ashley. Uh, unfortunately, I'm I'm seeing this as a a very long uh, and quite deep recession, um, anchored by the situation in the U.S. Um, I think that Europe is has had a better position in terms of social security nets for the the populations that the U.S. doesn't see. Um, So I think we're looking at deep unemployment in the U.S. And what follows from that is quite long-term demand constraints for all sorts of businesses across the spectrum. So I think we're going to see a lot of companies laying low over the next year, a handful like we talked about breaking out. Um, But then hopefully um, some more creativity popping up. Uh, as you've probably heard now during our conversations, we're advising all of our companies to to get cash runway through the year. Um, when we fast forward now 10, 12 months, uh, we're going to see a lot of companies that are going to be drying up. Uh, so that will be a very interesting um, period sort of next fall. Uh, I think we're going to see a whole lot of solidarity. This isn't just a financial recession. This is a humanitarian uh, situation. And we're going to see a lot of, of um, solidarity coming from populations uh, that we're going to be impacting businesses that we, we wouldn't have seen otherwise. Uh, and then again, like we talked about before, some very unexpected pivots. Uh, and I, I think definitely coming from the tech front, um, but also coming from the you know, neighborhood mom and pops to, to even the, the public sectors uh, reaching out and, and doing things that they wouldn't have done in the past, such as cooperating with uh, 
telemedicine companies and, and, and the likes uh, there. So silver linings. Yeah, there's always a silver lining. And what do you think, Jimmy? Is it going to be is it going to be long and hard, or do you still hold out some hopes that we could get a a V-shaped bounce back more broadly? I'm a I'm a venture capitalist, and uh, therefore I'm also uh, optimistic. I think we will be in a recession. I think it will be uh, longer. I think towards the end of the year, which is the question, I think we'll see light at the end of the tunnel. We will not be out of a recession. That's not my point, but we will be back to a world where we'll start to see a significant slowdown. We'll have re-emergences of the virus coming around. It will People will be scared, but I don't think we'll be under lockdown. So I think there will be light at the end of the tunnel. I think slowly towards you know August, September, the world will start to try to creep more towards a normal situation, but it will have longer-term impacts. I think in the end, of course, we will beat the virus. And just, I mean, even though, of course, we are in a... Two weeks ago, I think we were in the eye of the storm and in Europe, at least, it felt a little bit calm. Now we are really seeing the tornado. We are probably touring around it and it's hard to see light. But of course, the damage of the tornado is pretty hard and devastating. But of course, there's a light life after the tornado as well, right? And if we put things into perspective, if we take like World War II or Spanish flu fatality equivalents, we should have 200 to 275 million people die. And I don't think we'll see anything remotely close to that. I think right now we are nearing 10,000 global deaths and fatalities, which is definitely bad enough. That's not the point, but it ain't anything near what we've seen there. So I think we'll fight it, but I think it will be be a recession, but it's not going to be a recession with minus 5% quarter over quarter for the next two years or anything like that. I think it will be very deep in the short run, and then we'll still be in a recession-like situation probably for another year, year and a half, but we will have more predictability coming back, which means reduced uncertainty and more, again, from a financial market perspective, which is important here, into a situation where people start to assess risk again instead of uncertainty. And Ilka, um, round us off. What's, what's your view? Um, how, how will the rest of the year go? Yeah, I think that the <clears throat> hopes for the sharp we are they they are already gone that now we are in a we are going to see a u and the question is that the, how how wide it is and i think that the key really is that the point that when do we see the predictability there that we start to understand that how the how the new normal works the what what we had two months ago that's not coming back and uh, uh looking looking for the positive side that the best companies i think that they have less competition and they they have uh, less recruitment issues and uh if you if your company survives for the for the uh, next 18 months i think that uh, it will come out very strong and uh, be one of the winners winners in the in its own field so now it's time to really make sure that uh, you make first the all it all what it takes to to be surviving for the next three four months and then then make wise decisions how to how to start to scale back back and grow well okay it feels like next time we do this we need to maybe start with a real assessment of of the indicators and see exactly where we are i mean that's a sort of almost daily ticker that it feels like uh, startups and, and and vcs ought to have you know how this question of you know how how wide is the u is going to be the thing that we need to think about for the new, in the next few months for sure but thank you everyone for for all that some of it's a little depressing um but i think there is there's hope and creativity and i have to say on a personal level i am looking forward in a way in a funny way to the 
to the strange and unexpected pivot um, because those those are always something uh, you know, they, they bring something new from the most unexpected quarters. So thanks again. Thank you, Maya. Thank you. Our pleasure. Thanks again for joining. Talking Tech, the Nordic View.